Welcome back to RPE. Today we're going to be talking with Daniel Frazee. He's a recent grad with his degree in exercise science. He's a former college athlete. And today we're going to be talking about middle distance running, pushing your glycolytic limits to improve your oxidative system, especially when you're running between that two to four minute window when those energy systems tend to switch over from anaerobic to aerobic. So listen close to uh, the information and experience that Daniel has to share with us today. Well, bro, I'm pumped that you jumped on the podcast with me. I definitely wanted to have you on mainly because you have a completely different outlook to fitness. And I think more of like personally, it's not, we might actually see fitness the same way because we went ahead and had the same education. But as far as like what we do personally, um, I'm not a runner, uh, except I would say like the last two or three weeks, dude, I've been putting in some miles. I did 13 miles a couple of weeks ago. This week I've been working on getting my 5k time down. So I, I have been dabbling with it, but I really, I, I don't have a lot of um, experience with even programming anything with like middle distance. So I'm excited that you jumped on. Um, Absolutely. So the first thing I was going to ask is um, why did you get into this type of career? Kind of like tell, tell the people about yourself. Good old Daniel, Daniel. Sure. Crazy. For exercise science, is that what you're saying? Yeah, like exercise science and like what got you into this and just I guess a background on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um well I guess just to start with, I I first and foremost just enjoyed fitness. Uh being in sports most of my life, I think that was just very prominent um for me and as I kind of learned uh, more on the science side of fitness, um, made me realize more and more about just the human body, how it works and how it moves and just wanting to help improve people, help people um, achieve their goals that they have and, and so on. So I think that was just the main reason why I wanted to get into exercise science more um, and as I was in the classes, I, as I learned more about the, uh, the information, um, that was taught, I think I just grew my passion more. So. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So it was a sports kind of push into exercise science. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of, I guess that's kind of, um, where I was at with it. I think that's where uh, Joe has been with it. Um, it it gives you a lot of experience with a variety types of performance, um, exercises, um, fitness, different levels of fitness. You just learn a lot from sports, and I think, and I think that's kind of a good a good starting point for even myself. And obviously, it sounds like you too. What, so, sure. what did you actually play in uh, in high school? Yeah. So, high school, uh, I played through my junior year of football. Um, oh, ran track all four years and then went on to run track and field in, in college as well. So, yeah. dude, I actually did not know you played football. Really? Yes, yeah. I'm serious. Fun fact. <laughs> Until yeah. your junior year, or did you play through junior year? I played through junior year. So, I played wow. from seventh grade through junior year 
And there was a moment in the game when I was blindsided by a uh, end that I realized maybe this isn't my best sport and mm. maybe I can benefit from doing cross country my senior year and doing uh, better at the running thing. So, yeah. And I'd say you did because um, clearly it helped get you into college and pay for college. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's a huge deal. So actually with, with football, like going all the way up into almost senior year, like what was that like, like quitting senior year? What was that like? Yeah. Uh, it was bittersweet, I would definitely say. Um, just years of building that community with friends on the team um, and just having the passion for the sport, um, just enjoying it. I think it just got to a point that it became stagnant for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not just that I uh, – not to say I didn't like the sport, um, but just for me – just monotonous going to practice and um I guess with track I saw more improvements uh for myself and and, uh it was easier um for me to get by day day in and day out okay okay so it just wasn't where the passion lied yeah I would say so okay that makes sense well yeah go ahead I was just gonna say I mean that's with everything in life, you you learn from experience and you find what you want to find your niche in and, and find what you enjoy and find what you don't like. Yes, that's huge. And even like honing in on uh, like exercise and performance. Um, yeah, we talked the other day and you kind of talked about kind of like future stuff, which I'll ask you at the end. We can talk about future stuff at the end. Sure. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to ask you about that too. So, okay. So what's, what are some, in your opinion, because again, you're a college athlete, you're now a fitness professional, you're done with your bachelor of science degree, you're getting into like finding where your niches lie and kind of where your passion lies as well. So like for you, I want to hear like, what do you think like is the, the big difference between resistance training and kind of like running type workouts because especially middle distance because when I was thinking about this I'm thinking if we're talking about glycolytic system and anaerobic activities obviously resistance training lies in that field but there's a lot of running that does too like sprints of course um, depending on your how fast your sprint is or how long the distance is even you might not even be using like your full glycolytic system you might be using your phosphagen creatine Mm -hmm. system so that's even like even a sector in itself that i can get to in a different podcast on energy systems but um so i guess like what's the what are the big differences for you um uh just like going through college and even now like within your own workouts what are the big differences between the resistance training and the running type workouts that you do for sure. Um, so I guess let me give a little background. Um, mm-hmm. wanted to talk a bit about the energy systems because I think that plays a major role in the difference. Um, absolutely. Totally. There is a huge difference um, with resistance training with weights and, and uh, the running training that I had 
done in, in college and in high school as well. Um, so for myself as a middle distance runner, um, I was considered a anaerobic athlete. And so what that meant was most of my performance led to uh, building to a lactic, uh, a lactic threshold um, and definitely hitting that uh, that lactic acid buildup um, that everyone loves, I know. <laughs> yeah. But for me, I guess, um, resistance training definitely needed to be connected with running. Um, just not to, I mean, just to be a stronger athlete um, for your speed, for your running economy um, and efficiency mm. your running, um, and also avoiding uh, possible injuries. And, and I think that was a huge thing that I saw throughout college, not just for myself, but for other athletes that, um, to put it short, the stronger you are, your muscles are going to build and it's going to be easier for your body to uh, tolerate more. Um, so when okay. it comes to the running training, um, it's very important um, to incorporate your, your resistance training. Um, so kind of to get into the differences, um, a lot of the, res the, sorry, the running training that I was doing was hitting that uh, glycolysis energy system for a lot of sprinters. Um, you're running under 20 seconds or less you're really hitting that, that type two um, fast twitch muscles uh, and you're not necessarily getting in, like you were saying, to that anaerobic metabolism. Um, whereas for myself, I was a 400, 800 runner. Um, for okay. runners, or I guess people that don't know about running, that's one, two laps around the track. Um, so that helps me because <laughs> I didn't know that. The two minute range um of high intense uh running and um probably i, I would say you're running at, at an 85 90 percent or higher intensity um and you're you're definitely going to hit that that lactic acid much more than when i was training in the gym with my weights um okay and, okay so uh, yeah, go ahead. Keep going on that. Cause this, that makes a lot more sense. Cause you you're dabbling with lactate yeah. thresholds in the gym, but on a completely different level. Absolutely. So, so for me, I, I enjoy hit um, high intensity intervals and, and training uh, of that muscular endurance, um, but as well as incorporating some strength as well, um, mm -hmm. which will at, um, and what I kind of want to focus on right now. But, um, and with, with the hit and the circuit training, I know can be easy, uh, easier to hit that lactic threshold, um, than maybe doing a, a one to two percentage max on, on squat or bench. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, a lot of my training, um, was, making myself tolerate that 85% or more intensity. That way I would be able to 
be more efficient in my races and I wouldn't exhaust myself um, as much. I would be already acclimated to that type of training because all our workouts were 85% or more. Mm. And um, so that was, um, that was the love hate relationship. Uh, yeah, you don't say good night. So, okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, okay, so what I'm hearing is you're doing a lot of um, anaerobic activities in the gym, but you, is this, so during college, you even focused a little bit more on like hit training, high intensity interval training, or a uh, different type of cycle training. So maybe like uh, push-ups into uh, pull-ups into sit-ups instead of the standard, let's just say like bodybuilding or powerlifting type movements of like three sets of 10, because you wanted to get more adapted to hitting that lactate threshold, that would be similar on the field. Because I can see how, like with my experience, I could say, well, if you do three sets of 15, you'll hit a lactate threshold. But in your opinion, you're like, yes, but if I'm going to do one activity that's going to give 85% to hit my lactate threshold, I can't say I'm going to do 85% of a bench press and hit my lactate threshold and say that's going to correlate because, man, if you're doing 85%, you're probably only going to do six reps on a bench press, not not anything more than that, unless you're an, a genetic animal. So, so I guess like, is that what you did? You focused more on hit training to get uh, adapted I, to that? So, um, my first couple years of college, uh, mm -hmm. were a lot more of that circuit training, um, okay. less weight, higher repetition. Um, Got it. good. Uh, then we kind of moved, switched our training system. The middle distance group went into, uh, the gym working out with, uh, our sprints and our jumps and our throwers, uh, athletes. And okay. we kind of bring in those power lift movements, um, just because, uh, just to see experiment with it and to be quite honest um i would say that benefited a lot um and i would not just say for myself but for um other runners as well even distance runners uh for a 5k runner uh i would definitely if i was to train them i would definitely get them going on squats i'm not going to throw on three plates and tell them, you know, lift this, but obviously bringing in those primary movements of uh, squats, maybe getting that same movement with, with lunges, but adding weight. Um, and a lot of runners are scared of lifting weights, to be mm -hmm. honest. And, and, and that's a reason why the injury rate is so high. Um, no, I'm kidding. Yeah just because the um, amount of, of mileage that they're doing, their muscles can't handle it um, because they're, they're, quite frankly, they're not strong enough. And to add that resistance training in um, mm -hmm. is a huge, huge part of, of being able to acclimate yourself to that amount of volume that you're doing on the track uh, on the, on the road, doing all that mileage and doing that, res uh, that running training. Okay. Um, 
but I guess to, to answer for, for myself, we did start yeah. getting into the power lifts. Um, definitely deep squats, uh, barbell squats, uh, power clean, a lot of power and speed, um, some snatch. Uh, as a runner, I don't necessarily need my chest. I know it's uh, right. looks better in a physique, but uh, didn't do. A, we did some bench, but more focused on the the lower extremities, okay. and definitely hit the, those power movements. Um, so yeah. when you switched to the strength, and it sounds even more like power, um, power lifting exercises. Did your like did your eight hundred time go down? Did your four hundred time go down? Were you maybe like so what i'm thinking is if you do switch into more of like powerlifting or even like a strength training um first of all i can at, for a runner like i bet it's pretty hard to say okay i'm going to hit legs today after after my run yeah. and then go and i'm going to pray that i'm not going to be super sore tomorrow cuz i know i have another mm. run especially if i'm a distance runner like even my light runs or short distance might be like 2 to 6 miles still so I can see how that might be a challenge. Like, ah, yes, I know it's good for me, but like, there's never a good time to do weights. But on the other hand, I just want to know, like with you, so I guess two separate things here. Um, but with you, like, did you see a big difference when you started doing like powerlifting movements? Maybe, maybe not in your overall time, but even like just how you felt, maybe coming out of the gate way faster or I don't know, just did it change? Yeah. Uh, so for me, and I, I'll talk for me personally, as well as the, the general public. Um, but for me, I did see improvement. Uh, I did feel better, um, felt stronger in my workouts. Nice. Uh, just working on having that running efficiency, that form, um, instead of, I guess, uh, lacking strength in in parts where i shouldn't be um i felt stronger in those okay. times and so um for even the 800 which uh, some people i mean think it's a little longer distance um but i definitely felt uh just stronger was able to and i think that helped um with the resistance training helped just with the workouts and okay. to get through the workouts um, at a higher intensity than I did before, which then consequently helped me improve in my meets and in my races as well. So, so it really did like become a game changer for you? Uh, for me, definitely. Yes. Sweet. Now I, I would say every athlete is different and yeah. and will, uh, and benefit from different things. Um, so for some other 800, 400 runner, they might've seen some, some, uh, detraining, some, some imbalances in their running form or, um, whatnot, if they go too heavy into the gym. Um, okay. So it's important to find that balance going into the gym, doing strength work, not, uh, I guess uh, overdoing it so that it would completely affect the way you run. Um, we don't sure. want to change your form um, in running. And so we mm. just want 
improve that and, and, and make it better. Um, so for, I guess with, uh, if we, if we talk about, um, a period periodization, I guess, um, Mm -hmm. with the different, uh, seasons in, in, for an athlete, um, off season, like any other sport is crucial for, uh, a runner to get in, get stronger. Maybe this is a time that your specific track workouts are not as intense. And so this is a good time to maybe build some muscle, um, maybe do a little bit more weight than you're comfortable with. And then as we kind of get into that preseason, we'll uh, back off the, the amount of weight still okay, doing okay. Um, primary movements that will benefit um, keeping that that muscular strength throughout the season. It's a long season, so um, yeah. just being just being consistent with that. Um, that way, when because we start in the off season, they are already adapted to that type of training. They might not be as sore um, as they would be if they just jumped into it and had these intense workouts on the track as well. And so um, definitely there is a switch when they get in. uh, The intensity kind of changes from uh, the gym and onto the track. Um, But definitely uh, that's very important just to understand uh, because it can be very easy to burn yourself out if you're going 100% in the gym and then go the next day and go 100% on the track. It's going to be easy to hurt yourself or – just burn yourself out yeah no kidding so especially because you're okay so how fast is uh how fast was a a good 800 for you for myself i was cut short but i ran a 159 indoor um good mercy okay covid kind of shortened our season um wasn't able to get outdoor but that was uh, a time Okay. Yeah. That's impressive. By the way, I was, I was going to say sub three minutes. My, I wasn't like saying you're slow. I just didn't realize it was that fast for eight hundreds. So you're not even hitting an oxidative or like an aerobic like threshold. So you're not even getting into a, like a, a body system or an energy system where your body's like, yeah, we actually are going to use oxygen to fuel what we're doing right now. So if yeah. you're in the gym, doing anaerobic craziness all the time and then you try to switch that to more explosive still anaerobic you you might overdo it because again anaerobic activity is kind of is hard around the body sometimes and so i can see how if you don't back off the weights coming into preseason uh it can it can keep you pretty pretty snapped up by the time season comes because off season and post season, I mean, you can go heavier. I well, I I guess off season primarily, maybe not post season. It's more recovery focused in form. But I think um, I think that's good to hear that it did change your game because you you look like a a, a typical like middle distance runner. You seem like an average kind of average guy. So hearing that it works for you is kind of kind of cool because I can see how some some people, if they're running middle distance and they don't have like the mesomorph body type like you do, they might, they might not uh, benefit from it, especially if they're like a tall, 
ectomorph. So anyway, that's just a little, little thought. So I didn't realize it was two minutes. Uh, That's way faster than I expected. (laughs) Yeah. So, so what were some like uh, things that you focused on during running? And so I'll throw in a few here to get the ball rolling. So in the gym, you can focus on weights. You can focus on repetitions. You can focus on one rep max percentages. Um, you can focus on like form and that kind of thing. And so with running, I think obviously we're more focused on time in general. Um, but like with you and your programming and maybe even if you've had any clients uh, that you've, that you've uh, tr- made running programs for, what are some factors that you um, calculate if it's anything to do with any sort of testing? Um, I have a VO2 max chart on here that I was going to show. Um, this is a, a really good one um, to, to measure, especially if we're doing any sort of running aerobic activity. So I, for you, I don't even know if you calculate a VO2 max because again, it's not that it would be super essential to know because you're not really getting into oxidative activity. So I, I don't know, like what, what types of things would you measure out? Um, and then we can talk about VO2 max if that was one you did. Um, yeah, go ahead and jump into that. Sure. Uh, well, I guess testing, um, like you mentioned before, uh, distance uh, for track, it's, it's distance and time goes into that a lot. Um, for what I, I guess what I think about while I'm running, um, very crucial, like I've mentioned before, uh, running economy, uh, how good your, your form is. Um, so a lot of people really stress running faster needs to be, um, from the the practice you, you put in with, with the volume and distance you do, um, which could be very, very true with certain events. Um, however, what's really important is that running economy. And what I mean by that, um, are you doing a type of movement while you're running that is just exhausting you for no reason? Um, so maybe there's a runner that brings their arm through and it comes across uh, in a transverse plane. Um, and so they're, they're, bringing their body through which doesn't seem like much of a difference um but when they're running let's say a miler if you're running a a full mile with your arm swinging back and forth that's gonna exhaust your body more much more than if you're staying in that set that's satchel okay so so there's like little tiny things and this reminds me the reason I, I jumped in here i just finished watching recently i just finished watching um breaking two the documentary on trying to do a sub two hour marathon yes and they honed in on lactate thresholds and vo2 maxes and they like the the guy who who failed in the documentary but then eventually uh i broke the record in 2019 and a lot of that has to do with his shoes, but we're not going to go into that. Um, but it's insane because they would talk about the running economy. Like, man, he, why is he wearing himself out like this? And between those three runners, there was one guy who was so tight. He would like run 
as if he was like doing a barbell shrug and just holding mm. that the whole yeah. time. And then the guy who was like the, probably the one of the most world renowned marathon runners, obviously now he is um, just had a great posture, a relaxed uh, look to him, but he's running at 13 miles per hour. And I, it's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. That documentary was amazing, but they talked a lot about running economy. They bring out those, those pacers, those people to break the wind barriers, like so many little things yeah. um, can be included in that. So I, I can see how that's something you want to think about while you're running. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for getting into uh, our, our anaerobic athletes, even down to our sprints, um, to our power athletes, um, it's very important um, to, to think about is our, our turnover speed. Um, are we keeping our hips under, or are we keeping our feet under our hips, um, or are we elongating our stride too much? Um, so are we extending our legs too much? That's actually going to uh, not benefit us. It's actually going to deplete the speed um, and that, that a 100-meter runner needs um, to get out and get powerful. And, um, something else that I've also I've talked about, I guess, is, um, are you running on your heels? Are you running on your toes, your mid, uh, the, your midsole of your foot? Um, that's important also to, to think about. And so there's a lot of little things that people don't actually totally. lot that goes into it. Yeah. Um, I guess going back to your, your testing, um, to be honest, for, for myself, we didn't do a whole lot of VO2 max testing um, in our training. Uh, <laughs> I guess it seemed like every workout we did was a VO2 max test. Yeah, so, right. So it, it, to that point, I guess, but I never really did test um, what my max was. Uh, I do okay I do remember telling you because I was studying to get my exercise physiologist certification mm. I think if you remember this and I was like I had to memorize all these calculations and all these different testings and that I used like maybe three of them twice mm. in all my years of tra uh, actually training clients but I remember yeah. calculating yours which was obviously the highest between you, Aaron, Joe, myself. And um, I can't, I want, I do know it was in the forties, but I can't remember if we were, um, wait, was it forties or no? Okay. We did the, we did, we did the basic one, which the basic one is 15 multiplied by your maximum heart rate divided by your resting heart rate which is such like a it's so generalized that it's very it's not that accurate if you have a low resting heart rate your vo2 max might not be that great and so i remember doing yours and yours was in the 60s and you were like yeah that's right and i was like dude that's not right and so then we we did this long calculation which is on the screen um and then we calculated it was up there i can't really remember where it was do you have do you remember that conversation i i Vaguely, um, yeah. I, but it's, you know, it's kind of crazy when, when you get into the elite athletes and how, I guess, how 
big they, they can get they can get with their their vo2 max i know cycling um a lot of that uh, oxidative athletes uh you have the cross-country skiers and cycling i was actually really pumped to watch the olympics this year but mm. i guess we'll wait but uh yeah, yeah the uh, hopefully i guess for for 20 year old superiors 50 52 and a half around dude some of these cyclers like they'll get up in the 90s it's ridiculous. Uh, you know how I, much oxygen that is? So, okay, so for those listening, let me just say this. VO2 max is going to be the amount of oxygen consumed in a minute. And so, and how you measure that is milliliters per, I think it's kilogram. It's on the screen. Milliliters per kilogram per minute, yes. So it's all that oxygen that is consumed and used as fuel. And then we can measure that through like, heat expenditure and that kind of thing. But typically you just plug it in the calculation, figure out how much oxygen can your body use and get up to before you start um, burning out somewhere else or hitting lactate thresholds or something like that. That's going to impinge on that. But the VO2 max specifically hones in on the oxygen uh, usage during your, during your workouts, especially if it's aerobic, that's how you, that's how you really measure it. So if you see that, in the calculation on the screen, it says walk time in minutes, depending, I think this one was a mile. It might've been a mile and a half, um, but you plug in your time in minutes and then multiply by that. Some of, some of them you plug them in per seconds. It's just, there's a lot of calculations, but so yeah, so that's what that is. So keep going. I just needed to say that because I was like, that's actually yeah, a big no. deal. Um, so I'll say uh, with 800 training, uh, 800 meter training, um, a lot of people look at an 800 meter, you run 600 meters and you hold on for 200 meters. And that's about that lactic, lactic threshold point. Okay. Um, um, is, is fully depleted. Um, so for, I guess for myself to break it down um, in a race, I would tried to come through the first 400 um about 57 seconds um and coming around the next 200 meters in uh another i, I don't know say 30 seconds 29 to 30 seconds so that would put me at around a 126 127 600 meters um and then you just give so everything you that, have if if we think about our VO2 max, um, where Dustin explained, it's that amount of oxygen in one minute. And so for me in 600 meters into my race, that's 27 seconds past that VO2 max. And so gotcha. that's, that's a, to put it into perspective, um, to think about where is my body in that moment? Um, and something really important as I'm running, uh, there's not a whole lot that I can do, um, right? So we've hit that VO2 max. We're there. Um, we're, we're that lactic. Um, the hydrogen is, is building up in, in the, the lack of oxygen in my muscles is um, starting to increase. And we're starting to feel that. And so the best thing that I can tell myself is to stay relaxed and um just drive keeping my feet under my hips and not getting 
a whack with my form and and really uh that's the worst part is when you um your form starts to fall apart um and you start getting tense maybe your shoulders will raise like that shrug maybe you're leaning back or you're leaning too forward which is restricting your hip extensions uh and and your uh your turnover with your legs. So um, that's something really important to, to remember. And again, with, with the type of training, which I think we might, might get into um, that's just it. You get acclimated to that, that point of threshold. And um, I remember at the beginning of the season when I was Mm -hmm. 600 into my race, it was pretty painful. And I was like, wow, I, crap I have 200 meters left to go but you know as we trained that that threshold I got more acclimated more comfortable um to be at that threshold but be able to push myself a bit more and a bit more and so on so okay okay sweet yeah so you actually have a a different perspective on how to say I'm hitting my vo2 max while in in an exercise because typically you can just calculate this and say your vo2 max is this but you're you're saying i actually i felt it like i felt where i was at like this is total oxygen capacity this is all i can give yeah and it's then you said in 600 which you still have 200 meters left so yeah okay so, that that makes sense yeah so i mean that as as you improve maybe you don't hit that vo2 max until 700 meters and then you get better and better um the intensity so nice okay yeah that's a good perspective and a good like um like a way to like apply how do you apply a vo2 max like what does that mean and actually so like if if someone was new to running or like wanted to get into running um and let's say specifically middle distance, because that's like a good wheelhouse of experience for you. What would be some some opinions, um, maybe some starting points, or just some tips to like keep in mind uh, while starting a uh, a middle distance program, or even a running if you want to go into that general space. Sure. Uh, overall, I think this applies to any ath- athletics. Um, don't give up, uh, be consistent, uh, time plus consistency equals growth. And as you maintain that consistency with your training, um, you will see growth and it might take a little bit. I remember my freshman year of college, I, uh, redshirted, I was out for, um, from a hamstring strain, um, just because of the amount of volume that I was doing with bad form. Um, and I just wasn't, uh, I guess, confident and acclimated to going from high school training to college training. Um, well, I am kind of glad that happened because I might not have met you if you weren't redshirting. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's everything, everything happens and works out for a reason. So, yes. uh, but, uh, from there, I remember basically my training had start started from scratch. And so I would say from my the beginning of my sophomore year up until my senior year, it was just 
you're cycling through. It took, it took several years to get it down once I actually felt very confident in my running and saw improvements. I, I feel it was definitely my senior year where I definitely saw those drops in times um, gotcha. in my race. And so I just want to, for those that are listening, uh, whatever goal you have, um, definitely just be consistent with it. And I know it's hard sometimes, some days, some days you might not be feeling it, but be consistent. And you, that doesn't mean you have to grind out every day. You might have to modify some days and might have to change up your training. Um, but that's okay. And as long as you're sticking with it and consistent, you will see growth. Um, totally. And you're a good example of that. You had some big injuries freshman year and then you stayed consistent the next two senior year comes around and you start dropping time, start showing improvements, start getting stronger, start getting more explosive and COVID put like a damper on maybe the season but you, like, as a whole person, like, definitely you were able to say, yep, yeah, because of the consistency, I got to the point where I wanted to be, which was get my times faster, which was get stronger in these these runs. So, I mean, you're, you're a good example of your own advice too, man. So that's awesome. Yeah. So the last thing I want to ask um, is kind of like where you're at now. Because, like, we talked the other night about some future things and just finding the niche, which it's really hard to if you're not, like, man, I know where I want to be when I get out of exercise science. And if you don't know that going into like a four-year degree, you're going to change so much as a person that by the end, you might be like, I actually don't want to do anything with, for your example, running. So for myself, I came in wanting to do rehab and I'm leaving still pursuing rehab. So it's easier. So coming from somewhere who has like kind of like the whole the whole industry at his hands like where where's that niche coming where's it going and like what's what's kind of like the future for you sure yeah um again i I would definitely say it's it's still new to me still Mm -hmm. searching for that that specific niche um and fitness there's a lot of different ways i can take it um but i i have been interested in the the online training uh i think covid had definitely influenced that a lot of people are uh, staying home, they're afraid of getting out and going to the gym. And I want to give that opportunity for those that are maybe staying home um, at stay at home workouts. I had mentioned earlier being uh, passionate about that interval training, um, a lot of which you can do on your own um, with little bits of equipment. Um, and you can get great at stay at home workouts. Um, so, uh, actually I want to mention, you know, if you guys are on Instagram, uh, I started a new fitness, uh, page that I started, I guess, just posting, um, stay at home workouts, hit workouts and, uh, just some strength tips and whatnot. So go ahead and, uh, check it out. It's coach Frazee, F-R-A-Z-E-E. Um, but actually one um, word, that's it. Coach Frazee. Coach uh underscore phrasey so ah, okay okay um but yeah so uh but i guess going back to what i'm doing now um i am uh training at uh a gym intentional fitness in uh south springfield missouri and so um getting really great 
experience uh, just how to program uh, strength programs yeah. for people. Um, very different than my running endurance background, uh, but it's really cool just getting into that, um, learning more about just the clients that I have, uh, learning from the, the other trainer that I'm working with. Um, it's just a great, great experience. So um, if you guys are in the, the Springfield area in need of place to, to work out, go ahead and check out Intentional Fitness. Um, but I guess another thing, uh, yeah, so for uh, something, I guess, personally, what I'm yeah. working now, because I'm, a, for, I guess, retired track. Um, Whoa, that's weird. You can, like, yeah. put that in your Insta bio, like, <laughs> ex-college athlete. I want to die and, and live, live in my past, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, I definitely want to just, I mean, be functional, functional. Mm -hmm. um, I want to gain, I want to be stronger, get stronger, um, get into those power lifting. I kind of got into it a little bit the past couple of years with our resistance training for track. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's, I enjoy, um, some of those power functional, functionable movements with uh, squat and power clean, um, some deadlift and bench as well. So, um, just kind of incorporating, uh, the training that I'm giving to my clients, to myself and, and seeing what, where that takes me. Um, and I, I guess I have not given up on running. Um, the thought Good. of uh, training for a triathlon has been on my mind. Oh uh, my. Some, some biking and swimming in there as well. So we will see. Um, we'll see what that, that looks like in the future. Sweet dude. That's cool. Well, I was going to say, maybe we can switch roles for a second because I've gotten to the running game. I don't like, I don't like doing more than a 5k, but you know, like tonight I'll probably do a 10k and just have a long run every now and then. But if you're going to keep the running, you can keep it. So just don't pass <laughs> me in your numbers because that right. put me to, put, put, put me to shame. <laughs> well, dude, thanks for jumping on. I've definitely actually learned a lot. Uh, in a space that I haven't ever asked you about, to be honest. Well, thanks for thanks for having me, and and uh, I'll definitely keep keep posted, and hopefully I can learn more about strength, strength yes. resistance. Well, so yes, but. definitely. And uh, what was the Instagram again? What was that new uh, at home workouts? Yeah, Coach Frazy. So Coach, Coach underscore Frazy. Okay, sweet. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you. Peace.